Well, good morning. Happy Easter morning to you all. Uh, my name is Pastor Ryan Mowen. I'm the senior pastor here at Church of the Atonement, and we hope you are doing well on this beautiful Easter morning. We want to thank you for joining us uh, on our live stream worship service this Easter. And if this is your first time uh, joining us online virtually, uh, we'd love for you to let us know. We'd love for you to either write a message uh, on Facebook, uh, leave a comment or something saying, hey, this is my first time, glad to be here, uh, or send us an email if you're watching through our website. We'd love to have uh, a way that we can say hello and thank you for joining us uh, personally in this time where we don't get to meet face-to-face. And we do hope that there will be an opportunity in the future where you could join us here And we could say good morning and welcome to worship uh, face-to-face and get to know you. Now, for those of you who are not aware, I am fairly new here at Church of the Atonement. And so this is my first Easter with my church family, all uh, six of us here. And so um, it it is a very strange thing, but, you know, traditions are traditions. And I have a tradition that I've always enjoyed when I have uh, been a part of a fellowship and worship gathering on Easter Sunday. And that is to do a little call and response of the words, He is risen. So my part is, I say, He is risen. And your part is to say, He is risen indeed. Okay, so we're going to try that, all right? So here we go. No matter where you are, don't worry about your family and what they're going to think if you just say it out. Ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay. Well, that was a little weak. I have to be honest. That was a little weak. I know you think I couldn't hear you, but I could feel it in my heart. We're going to try that again, okay? He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's a little bit better. Now, this time, I just want to speak to, there are a few of you out there who are saying, this is a computer screen. He cannot hear me. It doesn't really matter if I speak out. You know who you are. And God knows who you are. And you're just lucky that Pastor Terrence has been carrying it for you this morning. We're going to do it one more time. Ready? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. That is why we are gathering this morning, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, As I said, you know, this is my first Easter here at Church of the Atonement. And it's a weird one. But also in a strange way, in the midst of all this weird time that we've been going through, it's been a blessing. Because I think I've gotten to know the church differently than I would have had things kind of continued uh, with business as usual. It's been a true blessing to be a part of this church family and to see the ways that God has equipped us to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the body of Christ in a season like this. And so I'd like to just start off by saying thank you to our church for the way that you are stepping up and caring for those in our congregation and friends and family of our church who are in need in this time. I want to say thank you to all the first responders and those of us with family members who are serving on the front lines to help with this health crisis. Know that we're praying for your families and know that we are praying for you, praying that the Lord would use you as a light in the midst of this dark time to share hope with people. I also want to thank our care coordinator and our staff. Um, Amy Hackman is our care coordinator. For those of you who are not familiar with Uh, who our care coordinator is. She's been doing a great job of connecting people from our church who have been giving of their time uh, to go and get groceries and drop them off and to deliver meals to people in our congregation who have needs. I want to thank our deacons for monitoring the needs that are coming in with the Mercy Fund uh, as we try to help people at this time. And so uh, I also want to thank our elders for really being on the front lines of shepherding our congregation 
For those of you who aren't aware, we split up all of our congregation into groups and asked our elders to be following up with these folks. And it's been amazing to see them report and, and give us input on how things are going with our families and how we can be praying for people. So I just want to say thank you uh, to everyone for all of that. It's just a beautiful picture about, of how the body of Christ cares for one another in uh, hard times and times like this. And I want to also give an encouragement in this kind of welcome time. And that is, use this as an opportunity to be the hands and feet, to be a visible witness to the hope and the love of Christ in this hard time. Think about your neighbors and people that you can reach out to. Think about the friends uh, who are nearby that you could maybe encourage with um, a hopeful word or maybe encourage just by helping them with some needs that they have, whether it be groceries or uh, medications that need picked up or something like that. In fact, the greatest gift you might be able to give someone is a roll of toilet paper right now. So if you can spare more than a square, I would encourage you, take them a roll and just tell them, look, I care about you. Just wanted to make sure you have some of what I have and share that with your friends. It sounds a little funny, but I've literally heard prayer requests from households, from even pastors in our presbytery, Terrence, uh, praying that the Lord would provide. And you might be able to be used in that way with your neighbors. With that, a uh, little bit of levity as we come to worship this morning, because it is a day of celebration. And I'd like to open us with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for giving us this opportunity to gather in your name. Even though we are gathered in our households and we are very uh, separate and isolated in some ways, your spirit binds us and makes us one, brings us together. And so we ask for your blessing, Lord, in our worship today as we lift up your name, as we proclaim the marvelous work you have done nearly 2,000 years ago in the resurrection. We ask your blessing upon us. Guide us. Speak to us through your word. Help our hearts to resound with the joy and adoration that is due because you are so amazing. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. This time, Brother Terrence is going to open us up with our call to worship. Good morning, good morning. Here now our call to worship. We come to worship God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hear the call to worship from the book of Revelation. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Today, today we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Let us give God praise and adoration this day for who he is and for all that he has done. Let's sing together right where you are. Christ the Lord is risen today.
was covered in sin and shame. I heard mercy call my name. He rolled the stone away. Amen. Amen. I'm alive. I'm alive because he lives. Amen. Amen. Let my song join the one that never come now to a time of confession. On this great day, thank God we're able to confess our shortcomings to our God who hears and who forgives. Would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, today, today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. For our idolatry, Jesus Emmanuel was born. For us, men, women, boys, and girls who prefer selfishness instead of the way of the Lord, Jesus loved sinners and extended mercy and grace. For us, people who miss the mark of the standard of the glory of God daily, Jesus lived a life of perfect obedience. For us, people guilty and worthy of condemnation, Jesus Christ, he laid down his life as the atonement, the payment for righteousness and eternal life to be given to all who trust in Jesus. For us, people who love darkness rather than the light, Jesus Christ, rose again on the third day with all authority, having conquered death, hell, and the grave, so that broken people, broken people like us, might have deliverance from the wrath of God. We confess this morning that all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've walked in the opposite direction of our shepherd. Father, 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 forgive us. Forgive us through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God and the Savior of the world. Lord Jesus, 
We have no life apart from you. We thank you for taking on yourself all of our sin, paying the debt we could never pay. We thank you for giving your life in our place and for taking up your life again in order to give us life. It is in your precious and holy name we pray. Lord Jesus, amen. Brothers and sisters, God gives his people assurance that our sins have been forgiven. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 to 18. Hear this from the Holy Spirit to your very soul. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. I love this verse. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. Amen. And right where you are, I want you to say amen, amen, amen. At this time, our worship team is going to lead us in our anthem, I Know That My Redeemer Lives. And we'd love for you to take this opportunity. Typically, if we were here, gathered, we would give our offering now. So we'd love for you now to just go online and give your offering now. I brought mine in this morning. I gave the Lord's money to our business manager. Um, or also mail it in this week. And now let us, brothers and sisters, continue to worship. I know that my Redeemer lives. Unto prepare. 
Thank you, tech team, for reminding me my mic was off. Thank you, worship team. If we were gathered in person, uh, we would now be at the children's message. This would be a time where we would invite all the children forward to uh, come up and have a message that's kind of packaged just for them. So parents, if you could move aside in the living rooms and let the kids come closer to the TV. This is uh, a part where we're going to spend a little bit more time talking to them, uh, but you can still listen in. So children, usually there are two parts of the story that we celebrate at Easter. We celebrate the first part, an empty tomb or an empty grave, and the second part we celebrate is a risen king. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. In our children's message, we're going to be looking at the empty grave, and in our uh, big message, our big sermon, we're going to be looking at the risen king. Well, the story of the empty tomb or the empty grave begins in Luke chapter 24. And what's happening is that Jesus has been in the grave now for three days. And there were some of his disciples who were women, and they had decided that they were going to take the spices that were appropriate at that time for his burial. They were going to prepare his body to remain in the tomb as it needed to be because he was dead. Well, on Sunday morning... This morning that we celebrate, they went to the tomb and they found that it was not sealed. Somehow it had been opened. And they found that there was no body. In fact, the clothes that were wrapped around the body were folded neatly inside. And then Luke tells us that two angels appeared to them and they said this, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking for someone who's alive where all the dead people are. He says, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And when the angel said that, Luke says that the women remembered Jesus' words. 
Well, of course, they're excited. They've got this incredible good news, and they go to the other disciples, and they share this good news with them. But you know what happens? They don't believe them. The disciples hear this good news. They hear about the angels. They hear about the body missing, and they are listening to what has been said to them. And to them, it sounds like sounds like a fairy tale. In fact, my Bible says it's an idle tale, and they did not believe them. It really makes you wonder. I mean, this was the best news they could have wanted to hear, that Jesus wasn't dead after all, that he really was alive, he really was living. But it sounded almost too good to be true, and they couldn't believe. What this teaches us is it's really important that just because something sounds too good to be true doesn't mean that it isn't true. And that we need to make sure we really listen, that we really give it a chance, particularly with the good news that Jesus gives us. A lot of times there are people who say, well, that sounds too good to be true. How could that possibly happen? But it did happen. It did happen. And soon the disciples would learn that what the women had told them earlier that day was really true. And my prayer for each one of you is that you would know in the way that those women knew that you would hear Jesus speaking to you through his word and you would know that he is alive and he's still working today. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the empty tomb and how it was a witness to the women so many years ago, how it filled them with joy and good news, how you sent messengers to explain these things to them. And we pray, Father, that we would not be like the disciples were in this instance, reluctant to believe, thinking it's a, it's a fairy tale. It's too good to be true. So help us believe. We ask this for ourselves and for each one listening this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, we are now in the big people sermon. And um, if you live in the state of Maryland, you may have been seeing a lot of our governor, Larry Hogan, recently. In the midst of this health health crisis, he's been holding a lot of different press conferences, um, daily uh, or at least weekly or different parts of the week, kind of keeping Marylanders updated on the steps that the government has taken to keep our uh, citizens safe, to try to help keep this crisis uh, at a minimum in the state of Maryland. And so through Facebook, I actually received notifications anytime that he goes live. And so I got pinged on Good Friday that he was going to be speaking And um, I was listening in, and it it seemed pretty much like a typical press conference at first. Um, But as he was closing, he addressed uh, the sadness of not being able to gather and celebrate Easter and Good Friday and all these things that we usually have very special traditions for. And um, for many of those who gather with family or church this weekend, he acknowledged that it would be weird. And I want to just read what he said. He said this, He says, the way that we celebrate this weekend will be very different, but that in no way should diminish the promise of Easter, which celebrates a resurrection after a period of suffering and sacrifice. Easter really is a day of hope, which is something that all of us could desperately use right now. So this weekend, I ask all Marylanders, regardless of faith, to reflect on that spirit of hope and carry it forward into the days and weeks ahead. I know that many of the people watching our broadcast right now would probably identify as believers, as Christians. 
um, as people that have great faith in the events that we celebrate and talk about today. But I also realize that not everyone might categorize themselves that way. And maybe you're on the fence this morning about Christianity. Maybe you're just tuning in because uh, you need something to do. Or maybe, like Governor Hogan said, hope is something that we could really desperately use right now, and you feel that way. If you can agree with that, and find yourself somewhere in that spectrum, then I invite you to stay with us. Um, stay tuned in while we broadcast and while we open up God's Word and reflect on that hope that we celebrate today with us. It's actually one of the reasons why I love this passage that we're about to read so much is that I think it really helps us see that the Bible takes emotions and takes the reality and deals with them on our level. And we see that in Luke as he presents the very next passage on this day of resurrection, as he records two disciples traveling from the Passover back home to Emmaus. And he makes really two important emphasis here that, or emphases here that are, are something I want to highlight for us this morning. I think they'd be good for us to reflect upon. Luke captures and makes an emphasis on the despair and doubt that these two disciples are experiencing. I think that's really important. He makes a very strong emphasis on the despair and doubt that the disciples are experiencing. But there's also an emphasis on how Jesus, the risen king, and an encounter with him heals the doubt by revealing a reason for hope. And so I'd like to uh, begin this time of study by opening up God's word to Luke <clears throat> chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Listen now to the word of God. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, he answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And he said to them, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some, of, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find this body, they, they came back saying that they have even seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as they had said, but did not see him. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. 
So they drew near to the village to which they were going. And Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he broke bread and blessed it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those that were gathered with them together. And they said, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. He, then they went uh, and told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. One of the first things that comes out so clearly in this passage as we read through it is the um, amazing uh, despair and doubt that the disciples are experiencing. This is the final week of our series. We've actually been going through a sermon series called In Search of a King. And this series began by looking at Israel's struggles back in the Old Testament with kingship. We saw how often Israel had in mind a king that they wanted, but it wasn't the king that they needed. Israel had always wanted a, a king that was like the other nations when they were supposed to have God as their king. God, after all, was their provider and protector, the one that rescued them from slavery and brought them into the land of Israel, the promised land. He's the one that essentially made them a nation, gave them a culture, and promised to be their king. However, what we saw over the weeks as we looked through 1 Samuel is how Israel had other ideas and how so often fear drove them to compromise themselves and to struggle with this idea of God's kingship. And if we fast forward throughout Israel's history, it seems that there's no king that fits the description perfectly. And yet, for generations, God promises again there will be a king. There will be one who redeems Israel. And so Israel goes on waiting for this promise to be fulfilled, where they would have the king that they finally needed, who would help them become the people that they were meant to be. And last week, Pastor Terrence did a great job of teaching us how the events of Palm Sunday were a fulfillment of those long-awaited prophecies, how Jesus was receiving a king's welcome in Jerusalem. And this was yet another way that Jesus fit the description. The Gospels record over and over again how Jesus measures up, that he is that promised king that Israel had long waited for. But as the week progressed, events took place that caused everyone to question and to doubt. And on Easter morning nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus' disciples were in their lowest of lows. By this point, they had been on quite the emotional roller coaster. They went from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. As the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, with this triumphal entry, you can imagine them saying to one another, this is really happening. It's really happening. The long-awaited king, the promised one, is coming in to take the throne. But as the week progressed, what took place in their hearts was not this confidence and hope, but space for doubt to build. They went from this is really happening at the triumphal entry to what is happening? As they are in the upper room gathered with Jesus, 
And he says that one of them, one of the twelve, will betray him. As he says that he will be leaving them, and where he's going they cannot follow. You can imagine them saying to each other, what is happening right now? Well, things grew even darker to where you might imagine them saying to one another, is this really happening? As they're in shock and horror with crowds yelling, crucify him, as they watch their king be crucified and killed and mocked with a sign on the cross that said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. In one week, they went from feeling like their best dream was about to come true to living in their worst nightmare. And now, we can't begin to imagine what their internal dialogue was, but maybe it was a question like, what just happened? They're still reeling from the events of Good Friday, but now they're distraught and confused by an empty grave and no body to be found. And that's where Luke introduces us to these two disciples, not one of the eleven, but other disciples who came and followed Christ and followed with the company of the eleven, returning home to Emmaus after all that has taken place. And Luke says that they're talking to one another about this, what has gone on. You can imagine, for those of you who are verbal processors, you've got some kindred spirits right here. They're trying to process all that has taken place. And they're questioning everything. They're questioning Jesus' identity. They're pl- questioning God's plan and promise. They're probably even questioning their own identity. Who are we? Why were we following him if this was what was going to happen? Were we just blind? Were we just being fooled? We know that they are asking these types of questions because they're intercepted by Jesus, even though they're kept from recognizing him at this time, which I think will make more sense as we go through the passage. But we can see their despair and their doubts. Luke records that they're standing still when Jesus uh, begins speaking with them, and they are looking sad. And then one of them, named Cleopas, he begins to name the doubts when Jesus says, what things? Tell me what's going on. They're doubting that Jesus was the Christ. They're doubting that he was truly the Messiah, the King. They call him a prophet. That's kind of the highest category that Cleopas has for Jesus right now because he's dead. He did a lot of mighty works. He said a lot of wonderful things in his teaching, and he taught with great authority, but, but could he really be the king? He says these very key words, we had hoped. That language carries the message that their hope died with Jesus on Friday. And so you can imagine if Jesus is not fitting the paradigm anymore, it could lead to all kinds of other doubts, doubting God's plan, probably doubting that they will ever have hope again. I love what a raw account this is, that the feelings of the disciples are not sugar-coated for us, that we can see that they are in their lowest of lows. But it's not too low for Jesus to begin rebuilding hope once again. And that's the second emphasis that Luke makes that's good for us to reflect upon this morning. How does Jesus reveal to them a reason for hope? Well, he reveals hope rationally and then personally. If you look, Jesus starts by giving them a rational hope. He knows that they are searching for answers. He knows their hearts are filled with questions. 
And so what does he do? The first thing he does is that he reveals their doubts and emotions. Like any good philosopher uh, or apologist, he works to reveal the bias that they now have. Jesus begins with this. He asks them questions to get them to open up, to get them to express their deep disappointments. Then he asks very obvious and basic questions. He basically plays dumb. Of course, he knows better than anyone what just took place. And he kind of draws out their hearts by asking these questions. And so he reveals what they're really thinking. We had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. And so he draws their, their doubts out, and then he calls out their doubt. He names it. He says, oh, foolish ones, slow to believe all that was written by the prophets. He reveals and names their doubt to them. He reveals their bias so that they can consider maybe with fresh eyes what they have just witnessed through a new perspective. The next thing he does is he reveals his identity. Now, he does this not by revealing himself to them. They don't recognize that this is Jesus. To them, he's still just a stranger. But he does it by affirming the events they described. He says, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things, these exact things you're describing? Isn't it necessary that he endured those things and entered into his glory? You see what just happens there. Jesus revealed the identity and suffering and glory of the Christ. He does it incognito. They don't recognize it's him. But basically he's saying, isn't what you described what has always been promised? He tries to help them see from a different perspective. He then reveals God's plan and promise throughout Scripture. Luke records that starting with Moses, Jesus begins telling them all the Scriptures that spoke of this promise and plan. We would have loved to have had a concordance or some sort of reference bibliography with footnotes of all the passages that Jesus pointed to. Um, thankfully, many of them, and probably all of them, are still preserved for us in this Word that we have before us in the Old and New Testaments. But what passages? We could probably take a guess at a few. Maybe passages like the bronze serpent in Numbers 21. The serpent that was lifted up to save the people from death, from judgment. Jesus taught on this one to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You can look that up later. Or the future king of Israel described in Deuteronomy 18. Or maybe the suffering servant passage. One who was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities in Isaiah 53. I think you see what's happening here, that he knows they're searching for answers, and he's giving the answers to them. He's answering their questions with rational responses. He's exposing and revealing their bias and doubt. He interprets the events that they have witnessed and shows how they're lining up with God's plan and promise all along. He's rebuilding their worldview and giving them a reason to hope again, a rational reason. And we see them describe their feelings later in the passage uh, that they were experiencing during this time as he's unfolding the scriptures. And some of us, you may have heard this referred to as biblical heartburn. Were our hearts not burning within us with a deep longing and hoping that these things were true? Well, they arrive at the town and Jesus acts as if he's going to continue walking, but he has become so precious to them. They beg him to stay. And at their meal... Jesus continues to reveal a final reason to hope. And that's when he reveals himself personally to them. In a description that is so reminiscent of the last meal that Jesus had 
with those gathered in the upper room. Jesus takes bread and he breaks it and blesses it and gives it to them. And their eyes are opened. They see that the stranger that was with them this whole time is Jesus. The one that was walking with them as they were wrestling with their doubts and despair. The one who was preaching the gospel to them using the scriptures, heralding good news that he has risen. He breaks bread like he did with them just a few nights earlier, and they see him, their king. Their hope that was rational is now also personal. He's with them, and he's been with them the whole time. The way that Luke records this, it seems like they only get to catch a glimpse but it was all that they needed. Suddenly they know why the scriptures being taught on the road had rekindled such hope in their hearts. It's because it was true. It was not just a wishful or a, a positive silver lining interpretation. It was truth. And the king himself, the one that they relearned about in every passage that Jesus was showing them, he wasn't dead. He is alive. And they are healed from their despair and doubt. And they are given hope and joy. And they run to share the news with the 11 who are gathered in Jerusalem. And the message of Jesus, the King, the Christ, who is alive, has been told and retold to this day. Which brings us to today. Why celebrate something that happened nearly 2,000 years ago? Why reflect on this passage what does it have to do with our lives today? What hope does it have to offer us? Well, like the disciples, we will all have reasons that cause us to wrestle with hope. We will all have reasons and always things and events and things that come up in our lives that cause us to doubt. We will. And those might be logical or rational reasons, or they might be personal reasons. And they may be in most cases, a mix of both. For some of us, the entire resurrection record is something we doubt. After all, if they saw Jesus in the flesh, have we? If I can't see him and lay eyes on him and touch him, is he really, truly alive? It's pretty easy to be skeptical about that. And for some of us, we can't even go there with the resurrection because the whole idea of God is something that we cannot consider. It defies our logic. Now, some of us, we would love to believe. We would love to think that God is real. We would love to know that there really is a hope that we can have, that the, there's a promise of a day when we will be untouched by the brokenness in this world. But we could be actually changed people who live differently, who don't go around inflicting hurt and pain in this world. We'd love to believe that there really is a God who wants to be a king, who protects and provides and works for our good. But we've experienced things in our life that have shattered that hope. Things that have made us question everything about God and even question everything about ourselves. I think it's perfectly natural to be skeptical, to be guarded, to be walled up with doubt. And at the same time, it's natural that we would also be walled up with despair. What hope do we have? One of the best Easter sermon introductions I've ever heard was by a pastor and New York Times bestselling author Tim Keller. 
and he basically said this. Imagine that you're at home, which is easy for us to do right now. Imagine you're at home and you receive in the mail a letter from a law firm. You open up the mail and inside you find a letter that says that there's a relative. You have no previous knowledge of this relative, but they're very wealthy and they've now passed. And you are now the beneficiary of a huge estate. I mean, multi-million type of estate, okay? So imagine you receive that letter. Now, think through this with me. You'd be pretty skeptical about that, right? I mean, naturally, you'd be pretty skeptical. I've never heard of this person. Is this just a scam? But it wasn't an email. It was a letter. It's signed. It's got all the appropriate indications that this is legitimate. So let's be honest with ourselves. We would at least look into it, right? I mean, that's the least we would do. It's really good news. There's enough credibility that we should probably look into it. And I think the same could be said about the resurrection, about the Christian faith, about the hope that's offered to us in Jesus Christ. It might sound too good to be true, but there's enough there that it's at least worth considering. If it were true, how would it change your life? How would it change you? How might it fill you with hope and joy that you are desperately wanting right now? That's what I'm asking of everyone tuning into this broadcast today. Like Governor Hogan said, we are in a time where we could desperately use hope. And Jesus offers it to us. At least look into it. Let yourself have the chance to maybe encounter the risen king. Let him offer you hope rationally. Let him draw out your questions. He can handle them. Let him reveal your bias. Let him expose your doubts. And then let him teach you. Let him show you why his ways are best. Let him show you rationally why the resurrection is true and why he can be the one that you need in your life. Maybe like the disciples, you'll be burning as you begin to learn about the faith and about the promises that are preserved in Scripture. You'll be longing for this thing to be true. And maybe like the disciples, he'll then confirm your reason to hope by revealing himself personally to you. He probably won't appear person, in person, face to face, but he'll speak to you personally, heart to heart, like you've never heard before through the Word showing you how he has been with you through every good, every bad thing that has ever happened. How he's been with you the whole time, even though you may not have recognized him. And when he does, like the two disciples, maybe you will recognize in your heart the hope that has been rekindled once again. There's this great verse in a letter that was written by the Apostle Peter who is referenced as Simon in our passage this morning. Uh, it's a letter in, called First Peter, and it comes in the very first chapter in uh, the eighth line. He was writing to people that never saw Jesus face to face. And this is what he wrote. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with 
glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation, the rescue of your souls, the redemption of our lives. Give him a chance. Consider what he has to say in his word. We would love to be a part of that journey to just hear Jesus out with you. Let him reveal hope to you rationally so that he can reveal himself to you personally. And let hope be rekindled in your heart. Let us pray. Father, we admit too often we are a cold-hearted and skeptical people. We are a people very easily filled with worry and anxiety and doubt. A people who can easily have our hope extinguished. And so we ask, Father, speak to us. Risen Christ, speak to us. Holy Spirit, open our eyes so that we might see and encounter the risen King. We ask for you to work through the account of Easter to rekindle the hope in our hearts today. We ask this all in the strong name of Christ. In faith, we ask for him to intercede on our behalf that it may be granted to us according to your will. Amen. Amen. At this time, Pastor Terrence is going to come and lead us in a time of prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, on this Resurrection Sunday, we are thankful to be able to bring our requests to you through the great work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. This day, Father, we pray. We pray for the spiritual health, for the spiritual nourishment, the growth of the church of Jesus Christ all over the world. Father, we ask you to raise up workers, workers for the great harvest of souls. In, the, in these days, we ask you to feed your people with the Word of God. Saturate us with the Scriptures and renew our minds daily. Conform us to the image of Christ, as the Apostle Paul writes. Fix our hearts and our minds on you and on your kingdom. For there are many, many distractions all about seeking our attention. Our Lord, we pray for your continued mercy during this pandemic. COVID-19 did not take you by surprise, O Lord, and indeed you are ruling and reigning even now. We pray for those who are hospitalized. We ask you to heal. We pray for the healthcare workers who labor day in and day out to Keep these people strong and healthy. We pray, O oh God, and ask you to provide comfort to those among us who have lost loved ones over the past several weeks. You are the peace that surpasses all understanding. You're the only one who gives peace that surpasses all understanding. We ask you, Lord, to strengthen the hands that are weak this day. 
For those who've been out of work, we pray their confidence in you. We pray that you would provide. Grant wisdom to our state and our national leaders during this time, Lord. Father, you are our hope at all times. During these days where our lives have taken on different schedules, enrich our days with your presence. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our confidence. Jesus is our life. Jesus calms the mighty storms of life. And Jesus, you promise to be with us always. Father, the world needs Jesus. The Scripture says, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, that they shall reign on the earth. Lord Jesus, our King, during these days build your church. Rescue people, we pray. Rescue people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Cause your people, your body in the world, to shine in the darkness. Let us, O oh God, share hope with the hopeless. Jesus, you are the light of the world. May we never forget it, Lord. All these, all these things we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. And now, brothers and sisters, we join together and we sing in response to the Word of God, Behold the Lamb. with 
I become His righteousness He humbled Himself And bear carried the cross Love so amazing Love so amazing Jesus Messiah up these lyrics of the bridge one more time. All our hope is in you. All the glory to you, God, the light of the world. I hope that that will be what we sing in our hearts as we sing out loud, what we share with one another, the good news of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ.
We hope that you have been encouraged by this worship this morning, that you have been given a reason or at least an opportunity to be guided in reflection on all the hope that we have in Christ and why today is a day to rejoice and to celebrate that he is risen. He is risen indeed. We encourage you to join us again next week. We will be starting a new sermon series. And so we invite you to come be a part of our virtual fellowship. We look forward to gathering together in the name of Christ and worshiping. And until we meet again, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us now and always. Amen.